0: Real Talk listeners, welcome back. We are talking through a different series of topics this month and really we're focusing on different initiatives within companies. And we have uh, our speaker back, Joe. He uh, made such waves and movements of excitement with our DEI talk that we thought we'd bring him back to talk through some pieces that are going to be the future of of work for companies. And it's interesting, all of these topics that are being conducted at companies right now. And I'm wondering if, Joe, we can get your perspective on this because there are so many different topics that people are channeling right now. And I'm wondering, are they just throwing things at a wall and trying to make them stick or will they truly actually stick?
1: Well, thanks for having me back, Maria. You know, I've always been told that I've got a face for podcasting, so it's really great to be here. I had such a blast last time, so it's really cool to be back. Um, Now, my understanding was that a bunch of you have been talking about working from home and tips, tricks, and that being like the wave of the future, right? And well, see, for me, it's not the wave of the future. It's just been the wave of my life for almost a decade. So you see, I was one of those types of people who um, would facilitate and go on the road and be you know, places for a week at a time, whatever. And I loved it and stuff. But I probably should give you the background as to how I got into the learning development role in the first place. Um, I was working for an organization and I must have been in my early 20s. And I was sent to a two week leadership program about leading other people. And from the first day to the last day, I was completely like blown away with the facilitator and the trainer and what she did and how she did it and flip charts and the content and just everything the attitude, how I felt. And I spoke with her, you know, after the last session. I said, So, you do this for a living? And she said, yes. I said, you get paid to do this, like develop others and make flip charts and play with markers and bring us joy and help us to be better people. And she's like, yes. And I really just was so blown away by that. And I was even thinking somewhere on the back burner of my head, boy, I would really love to do this one day, you know? And then a position actually opened up and I applied for it. And it turned out the person who interviewed me who was looking to hire that job was her. And so I went up getting my first training position back in the 90s. Um, you know, everyone wants to, you know, figure out what they're going to be when they grow up. And I haven't totally figured out what I, what I want to be when I grow up. But I got to say right now, this is a pretty close call is being involved in people development and investing in others. And I think that's where it segues into the working from home thing. I was so used to the mentality that in order to develop others, I had to have a nice suit on, a really swanky tie, you know, wear nice jewelry and create perfect flip charts in front of a live studio audience, right? Because that's what training looked like in the 90s and 2000s. Yet now companies are being much more fiscally responsible. And you all have had different conversations about how companies spend money. And I've heard the one podcast around how. Sometimes training is the first to go and development is the first to go. And I agree. I've seen it happen. I've lived it. You know, I've been kind of on the chopping block a couple times. So when I was given the opportunity, I had a parent who was ill and I kind of needed a break from being on the road all the time. And someone who I respect and care about said, hey, do you want to work on my team doing virtual stuff? And I said, virtual stuff? I don't want to do that. I don't know if I'd even be any good at that. You know, I'm great at technology, but I don't know if my personality, what I do is going to translate on a computer. You know, I temporarily decided to try it. And in the beginning, I think I was horrible, but more horrible than how I facilitated was my skills at home and how I figured out the difference between being in my house and taking out the garbage and being a caregiver versus being home and doing the job and the career that I'm paid for. And you know folks, for those of you listening or you're new to this, it is not an easy thing to figure out. But luckily after COVID and almost two years of this and many companies moving to a more virtual you know platform environment for learning and meetings, there's a lot more information out there today you know? So Maria, I guess I'll kind of like throw at you to throw some questions my way on maybe what are some of the questions people have had around working from home and the virtual environment or talking about? I'd just be curious to know, so maybe I can kind of answer a few and kind of we'll move the discussion along.
0: Yeah. So what's interesting that comes up is that People have been working from home the last 18 months. Some may think they're successful. Their people leaders don't. And then some may actually truly be successful at it. And what I would like to hear, you know, we did a couple of different components, you know, at previous organizations that truly helped people in a virtual environment. And I think there's been complaints of people leaders saying or, or, you know, employers saying, or just even, you know, when I call a call center, you know, type of environment, I hear someone's dog in the background. Mm -hmm. I hear kids. Sometimes like the the Wi-Fi is not great. Their phone's not awesome. Like there's all these new things you hear now in a virtual environment that you've never heard before.
1: Sure. So I guess, you know, maybe because I love storytelling, that would be a really good place to start. I would say for anyone who's gonna be working from home, whether it be temporarily or permanently, or maybe kind of a hybrid mix of both, you have to have a strong toolbox of tricks okay? And the reason I say that is because my dad, Ed Gast, was the most amazing man. He really was. And I don't say it because he was my dad. I would say it because of the person and the man that he was. He made very, very difficult things very, very simplistic. Now, when I was growing up, um, he had this massive cherry red craftsman toolkit. He probably got it when he first got married, and there was tons of stuff in it when he bought it. But over the years, he added more and more stuff to the toolbox, right? The, the thing weighed a ton. You couldn't possibly lift it. And well, When I first moved and I got my first home, you know, he bought me my first ever big boy toolkit. You know, he got me a red craftsman toolkit. He put a bunch of stuff in it as well as stuff it came with. And he reiterated and reminded me of a lesson he taught me as a little boy. He reminded me that, you know, having a great toolbox is paramount, but completely useless if you don't take the tools out of the toolbox. If you don't take the tools out of the toolbox, you can't fix or build anything. Pretty mind blowing, right? Like it's such a simplistic thought, but very, very profound. And he's totally right. You know, having a great toolbox is great, but if you don't use the tools that you're going to be completely insignificant left behind in today's business environment. So when I think about working from home and the tools in the toolbox, I think about how to do it fiscally responsibly, how to kind of really separate work and life from each other, which is very difficult to do, and how to also make it fun you know so the first part i guess is the how to balance the two i'm a caregiver i'm raising an almost 90 year old right and in the beginning she had a hard time understanding when we started living together again that i wasn't just hanging out watching a soap opera eating bonbons and sipping champagne right in that room in our house that i was actually going to a job every single day right And so it took a while for her to comprehend that, no, she can't come with her walker strolling in while I'm teaching something or having an important meeting with my team, or, you know, I've got my nose to the grindstone on a really important project. So I think setting guidelines with our families is really important. Now, going to your point, Maria, about hear that weird noise in the background or the dog barking, you know what? It's Murphy's Law. It is what it is. And most people now, because so many millions of people now work from home, It's become expected. We've even seen on the one news broadcast, the guy had his little child running in, right? And then the nanny was trying to pull the kid out, right? It was really funny at the time, but yet it was just a really good example of what happens when people work from home. And guess what? If it happens to you, it's okay. Because we all have dogs and cats. We all have children and loved ones. Don't panic, right? Maybe reiterate and set clear expectations, modify behaviors a little bit. But if it happens, it's totally not the end of the world. I couldn't tell you how many times I've tried to have a meeting or facilitate something. And the lawn guy shows up and has got the, you know, leaf blower right outside my window. Right. And it's just like, you know, you make a joke about it. Right. I have a couch in my office and I had a friend visiting and they were on the couch and well, they passed out and they started snoring and I was throwing stuff. Right at the couch and it wasn't working. And I just had to make the excuse because someone in, in the group heard heard the noise. I said, Nope, it's just my dog snoring and sleeping under the desk. Okay, moving on. You know, it's sometimes okay just to address the snore in the room and then move forward. Cause again, life happens. And we also can't take our families and our homes or our pets, for that matter, and completely shut them down. You know, they exist. It is still their home as well. So just recognize that setting clear expectations, having fun with it, and kind of having something in the toolbox of tricks to pull from is really, really important.
0: It's true. So how do you incorporate the water cooler chat in a virtual environment since you've had experience over this over the last several years that people are lacking or missing in their lives at the moment?
1: So I've been trying to take some development stuff myself. And by the way, everyone, if you haven't looked, there is so much free development out there. So many organizations are offering free stuff. And there's a lot of stuff around working from home. I took a webinar recently on the 35 best practices or next level things for working from home. And one of the ones around what you're asking, Maria, about how do you have that kind of fireside chat or you know water cooler convo is, you know what? Not everything has to be in Zoom. Or in Adobe Connect, we've got these things called phones. Use the phone and chit-chat on the phone. I had a one-on-one recently with a leader who was going for a walk in the school, like at the school on the track, on their lunch break, having our one-on-one. I had never even considered the fact that I could go outside with my phone and have a conversation or be in the car, right? So understand that our lives continue, right? We have to get up from the desk. We have to stretch, right? We have to get a little exercise and mobility in us. We have to drink some water. And it's totally okay to not always be sitting in front of a webcam, right? That's a part of a work-life balance thing. Go out and check the mail, Grab, put the recycling out, grab the newspaper, you know, and be on the phone. Because people are going to expect to hear background noise. We know we're not all in these sterile office environments anymore with soundproofing. That's just not reality anymore. So the expectation of work meetings and trainings and development has definitely, definitely changed in the last two to three years.
0: It's true. So let's talk about the future of work and where things are going. You have some companies, Michelle and Joe where they are doing, you are essential, you have to be in the work environment, right? Your hospitals, your police officers, they have to be there. They're essential functions. So, you know, let's just leave that one off the table. So we can't really change some of those aspects. So you have companies that are bringing people in fully into the offices or whatever. You have these remote environments where companies most recently, I think it was PwC announced yesterday, They are fully going remote and allowing a a remote-first environment, which is interesting. And so there's been announcements like that over the last year and a half. And then there's this other category, which I'd love to pick both your brains on, called hybrid work, which means they want you to work from home a couple of days a week. But they also want you a couple of days a week in the office in an actual office environment to have your meetings and scope out different pieces. Would love to get your insights on that. And is that truly the future of work? Or are we going to find ourselves that, you know, all these empty commercial buildings right now that have nobody in them, are they truly going to be heavily populated after this pandemic is over?
1: All right. So you know what? Pendulums swing both ways, right? And having been in learning and development for. The better part of 20 years now, I've seen the pendulum swing both ways, right? And the answer is yes to both, Maria, because you know what? What makes sense to that organization? Is live in front of each other at the water cooler, having a meeting in a conference room, making eye contact, really mission critical to that business? If so, then you have to have a model that allows people to be together in a live space. If the mission and vision of what you're doing allows for virtual platform work and training and meetings and stuff and it can be done effectively, then that should be the model. But if a hybrid model works for an organization, that's great. There's nothing wrong with trying something out. I mean, hey, 18 months ago, two years ago, we had no idea what was going to happen. People had to wing it and fake it until they make it. right? And companies made it work. And I even think to my own home office space, right? when I realized that going to an office and I wasn't going to be hopping on a train, a subway, a plane or anything anytime soon, right? I had to be creative. And, and really, that's my second point, everyone. When we talk about taking the tools out of the toolbox, be creative and have a contingency plan. All right. I'll tell you one of my favorite things. I'll give you my trick. Love the thrift store, right? You know, the company gives me a $200 monitor, right? As a secondary monitor, and it burns out. And I've got an important meeting in three hours, or I'm going to teach a class tomorrow. What do I do? Well, I've got to be fiscally responsible and budget friendly, right? I got a beautiful $199 monitor when mine burned out They replaced mine for about 20 bucks, $20. I didn't even have to charge the boss for that. I didn't have to get out my corporate card for that, right? So be creative, you know, have an extra monitor on hand, have batteries, have a mouse, okay? You know what else is very critical? Be sure that anytime you're drinking, you've got a cover on that cup. I couldn't tell you how many times I've almost actually knocked over my soda or water or juice and had a really sticky mess and could have shorted something out. Put a cap on every single thing. you know. Also, create a space where things are within arm's reach, where you don't have to get up and move and make noise that is unnecessary. Because again, we know the dog might... Bark, the cat might meow or a relative might say, Hey, you in there? You know, so do the other things that could also have minimal impact, right? Like even like in the environment we're in with COVID and people being uber sensitive to cleaning. I have those little alcohol swab wipes right near my desk. And if I need to wipe down my laptop or the screen or my headset if I'm wearing one, it's right at my fingertips, you know? And what I've always said to people is if it isn't on the list, it doesn't exist. Right. I hopefully we're great at organization and color coding and managing our time and ourselves and our outlook calendars and things. But I still believe in paper and pen <laughs> and that having a strong list at your desk is so mission critical, especially when working from home and putting a nice line down the middle. And on the left is all the work related things. And on the right are all the things that are in my personal life that just to across my mind because, well, I'm in my house and things come up, and I just saw the phone ring or someone just said, hey, we need milk and eggs. Have a strong list because if it ain't on the list, it doesn't exist. And if it ain't on the list, you're not going to get it done. And that's where working from home can be an epic fail if you don't have a list and you don't have that organization. So those are just a couple of things just from the jump that I'm that are crossing my mind. You know, and I hope Maria, that's what you need in the direction you wanted me to go in. But I think I think that in some companies, it will be an all home, all virtual kind of gig. And I think in some places, are going to want people in a more conservative environment to come back to work that still want that face contact. I think the hybrid thing is pretty cool. I would love to be around people again. But I also love the idea of being home in shorts and flip-flops and my nice dress shirt and doing what I do best for my home environment where I can manage my work-life balance.
0: Totally. Michelle, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on hybrid work? Is that going to stick? I agree with the pendulum. I
2: think it is not going to stick. I think people are going to go one or the other. That's my personal stake is that they're going to find a definite. However, even though I believe that's what's going to happen, I don't believe that's what should happen. You and I, we've talked about this a number of times and Joe, you even said this. So I'm going to repeat it, even though you guys just heard it from Joe, each company is a little bit different. And their needs are different. And I'm going to go back to an episode probably a few weeks ago where I talked about that circle and that that inner circle is your customers. And then it's your your direct frontline people. And then it's your support staff, right? As an organization, you need to start with that center group. And you need to say, what's right for my customers? What's going to keep them coming back and spending money? And then you go, okay, depending on the answer to that question, How's my product, service, or solution been impacted with people working from home? Okay, based on that answer, what is the overall feel of the company and the the thought of the employees going to that bigger circle? Like, what do they want? At the end of the day, I'm always people first, but I'm going to say this. I'm sorry, Maria. you can yell at me later. Mm-hmm. It's not about what your employee wants. It's about what's going to make your customers willing to spend the money and hopefully that fits within a model that your employees can appreciate. So while I think that flex work will not work and what you're going to see is companies are going to put their foot down and they're going to say, well, COVID's finally over. You're going to have to come back now. I think you're going to see a lot of companies do that. I don't think they should. I think they should stick to a flexible model with structure, if that's what works for their teams. And last kind of thought for me and Joe, who is guesting on some of these podcasts with us, we started working in this kind of remote hybrid model. Actually, it was a full on remote
1: model almost nine years ago, more toward a decade.
2: Yeah a, yeah, a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. What I see in companies today that are struggling with that remote model is they're struggling because their managers are line of sight managers, even in support roles. And if I don't have sight of you and what you're doing every day, I don't trust that things are getting done. And there are some things that when I look back now, super annoyed that we had to go through. Mm -hmm. But the things that we went through in the beginning with our leaders allowed them to get to a place where they did trust that we were getting our job done. So there were things like, you know, weekly updates. It was really just five really simple questions. Like, what was your biggest win for the week? And that just gave the manager a time to read an hour's worth of your week instead of, using your one-on-one to do that. In the beginning, we had mandatory weekly calls. The weekly calls in the beginning were super focused on deliverables and what we did for that week. And <laughs> as the leader got better at operating a non-line-of-sight team, the questions changed and, and those calls became about development and bonding. And so that water cooler talk that you mentioned, Uh I will tell you today, I have friends that I met at work and none of us lived in the same state, whether it's you, Maria, Keith, Joe, Amy, Bobby, Irene, you guys all know who you are. I probably did not mention all of you. But at no point in our career were we able to just walk down the hallway and talk to each other at the water cooler. And yet we still, a decade later, are friends. So you can do that water yeah. cooler thing. But the truth is, you may have to get start by giving your leaders some over-the-top tools like weekly updates or a shared Trello calendar, something where you can see that progress every single day. Until the leaders get comfortable not having line of sight.
1: In fact, what Michelle's not telling you by, Maria, is that we were in the same role for a period of time. And on Fridays, she'd be in one part of the country driving home. And I was in another part of the country driving home. And we knew that we'd be calling each other up. And why? Just to kind of shoot the breeze, to talk about the wins of the week, just because to talk about the ways that we tripped up during the week just because, right? There was one time I called Michelle telling her, wow, I almost taught for four hours today with my fly open, right? You know. And sometimes we would just you know, say the things to each other that maybe we would never say on a team call or to a manager in our business that we felt comfortable venting to each other. And that was almost like a water cooler from individual cars in individual states. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, it matters not whether we go back to hybrid whether we are all remote whether we as businesses move into the all live environment something that has been a pain point for me forever is the fact that you know and you see memes about it too not everything needs to be a meeting and not everything needs to be a call i can't say how many times personally and professionally i was like wow that could have been an email well, that could have been like a procedure document that I could put in a binder somewhere, and I wasted an hour of precious time. And why do we do that? Well, I think it's ego, and I agree with you, Michelle. You know, some people and leaders in our businesses really want to have that line of sight, but that's not the way to do it. Yeah. You know, if anything, you can burn your people out because just one more call and one more call and one more call, and look at virtual fatigue is real. The struggle is real. It exists. I felt it. Okay. And I know when to step away from it. But, you know, for all of you who are managers and leaders out there who maybe have a little ego, and we can be honest, that we all have an ego sometimes. We can all be honest that sometimes we are competitive, right? Please, leaders, take care of your people. Not everything needs to be a conference call or a Zoom call or a meeting. Right?
2: Can I get an amen?
1: Can you get an amen, right? Put a couple bullet points together in an email and say to your team at the beginning of the week, here you go. Here's what I, what I would talk about in the meeting, but I want to give you these points, all right? Hey, I'll schedule a quick 15-minute or 30-minute call during the middle of the week just for a touch point. If you can get in there, great. If you can't, that's okay. And that way, when you have your team meetings, they're much more fruitful and valuable, right? So you can have that kind of connecting time where people get to know each other and have that watercolor experience. And so you can focus on the things that are mission critical instead of all the fluff, right? You know, I had a manager once who all the calls are all cutesy all the time about PowerPoint decks and pretty, you know, images and getting to know you stuff. And I was like, honestly... I feel like I know you people enough. Can we do things that are going to help me do my job better and help me be better at my role? You know, And my manager's like, I never knew you felt that way. I said, well, you never asked, right? We were too busy having conference calls about all these other things. It could have been an email. <laughs> so leaders, please consider changing your swing on the golf club to something different than what you're doing today. Because we all know that what worked 18 months ago does not work now, including having a conference call or a meeting for every single thing.
0: True. Well, that is perfectly said. I am going to leave it at that. This is a great ending to our series, uh, just talking about random topics. So hope you all as listeners got some great insights from this, from us, you know, the verdict is out, you know, to kind of talk through that. So, yeah.
1: And Maria, my last point before you wrap up would be this, the fact that we're given the privilege to work from home in many cases Take that as an opportunity to spend time with the people that you love who love you, right? It is a gift that many of us can work from home. Don't waste it by sitting in front of a computer 12 to 15 hours a day. Be sure to spend time with your husband, your wife, your loved ones, your kids, the dog, the cat, and your hobbies and the people you love who love you. Because if you do have to go back into a live environment, you'll miss having those times that you can have now.
2: Nice. And guys we want to do a, a bit of a teaser for next month. We already have some really great topics in mind for next month. So here at Real Talent we take our experiences and the experiences of our clients and really try to put together solutions. You guys have heard Maria ask me a couple times about what it's like to survive a toxic work environment? Um been in a couple of them?
1: I've never experienced that you, before ever. <laughs> kidding of course
2: (laughs) there's definitely levels of toxicity and uh next year we will have some really great resources about how to survive a toxic work environment but we're going to use november to share some teasers about those resources so we're going to get to talk about a book that will be coming out called it's not me it's you to help you guys understand what it means to work in a toxic environment or what it means to get the hell out of one.
1: I'm going to want to read that. I can think of some people I probably already want to send that one to.
0: I love it. Well, until next time, listeners, take care. Bye-bye.